Hello, everybody. Before we start today's show, we do have a quick announcement to make. Starting today, January 3rd, with the release of this live episode, we have a brand new lineup, ladies and gentlemen. Newsflash. We'll be coming to you now three times a week, every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Same as always, uh, through the same sources and methods. We're going to try and get you more quicker, more up-to-date, more... Um, in-depth shows and of course we'll be peppering with occasional guests and cultural talk and the same things that you know and love from newsflash and some more things they're gonna try and move a little bit more into in 2021 some funner stuff some cultural stuff as well and of course uncultured will be continuing to stay right where it is on friday love doing that show it will be back this week to start the new year off also back this week uprising uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with a brand new episode about some of the more hidden history that you probably haven't heard that much about unless you're kind of a history scholar. It'll be this Wednesday. We've got a new episode coming for you. And pleased to announce a new season of That's Interesting, our cultural show uh, from the spring coming back for season two, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Very, very excited about that. Look for more details on that on future shows. Also, another important announcement, please join us Tuesday because we got, and again, we'll be on normally on Tuesdays, but this Tuesday obviously will be uh, special because it is election night, ladies and gentlemen. Um, So we're going to have the pretty much the same team on. Hopefully we can get everybody back on. Definitely have James Stanley coming on uh, and probably a few other guests that were also with us on the election night uh, a few months ago. It was a... What actually, yeah, it was two months ago, I believe now. Um, and we're gonna get the whole conclusion thing, find out what Kelly Loeffler and uh David Perdue's fate will be, and if they will, those comically corrupt goons will be able to hold on to their Senate seats coming into the new year. And will the Democrats have failed again? We will find out this Tuesday. So that's pretty much all I have. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's show. Warm welcome as well into 2021. Hoping for another great year of news coverage. Hooray! We start off with some pretty insane news. Uh, New recording released by the Washington Post that President Trump was pressuring Georgia officials to find enough votes to overturn his election defeat in that state. The president vaguely warned of a criminal offense as he pressured Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger in a call according to audio excerpts released by the Washington Post. An incredible, really, um, just uh, words you could pretty much consider coming out of Boss Tweed's mouth at this point. Find me some more votes. Come on, let's do this thing. Also, we take you live through the Biden transition as the 117th Congress has just re-elected Nancy Pelosi as its speaker in a close mostly party line vote that's illustrating how close the caucus is going to be this year also schumer starts 2021 in a familiar position on his back conceding to the republicans over these checks and finally some things we might courtesy of the discourse blog want to leave behind in 2021 bad behavior of rich people the trump cabinet self-canceled journalists annoying people from texas the Lincoln Project, cable news anchors, and a lot more. So, 
and I'll, I'll add my own. I'll add my own thing. So we're going to have a great show for you today. And we're going to be starting the new year off right with episode 464 of Newsflash. So first off, we have to break into this really just crazy story. All uh, again, reporting here from Michael Shear of the New York Times in Washington about how President Trump demanded that Georgia's Republican Secretary of State, quote unquote, find him enough votes to overturn the presidential election and vaguely threatened a criminal offense during an hour long telephone conversation with him on Saturday. According to audio excerpts from the conversation, Trump, who has spent nine weeks making false conspiracy claims about his loss to President-elect Joe Biden, told Brad Raffensperger, the state's top election official, that Raffensperger should recalculate the vote count so Trump wouldn't uh, would win the state's 16 electoral vote. Uh, literally said, I just want you, uh, he said, quote, I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than, the, uh, which is one more than we have, um, or one more than they have, um, because, again, we won the state. So clearly what he is doing there is working backwards from that conclusion and just being like, yeah, just find me some more votes. So here is the um, really kind of strange write-up from the Washington Post. Um, the Washington Post obtained this recording of the conversation in which Trump alternately berated Raffensperger, tried to flatter him, and begged him to act and threaten him with vague criminal consequences if the Secretary of State refused to pursue his false claims, at one point warning him that he was taking a big risk. So, uh, some pretty crazy stuff. We and we don't know exactly election. when this happened. Georgia, um, throughout the call, of course, Raffensperger did, with, uh, with that, and of course his office's general counsel, I believe, was also on the phone, rejected Trump's assertions, explaining that the president is relying on debunked conspiracy theories and that President-elect Joe Biden's 11,779-vote victory in Georgia was fair and accurate. So he's just pushing literally for that one more vote. He's like, yeah, just, just get me across the finish line here. Come on. You can do it. Like, what are we what are we talking about here? We have won like, this we know, election. We know what we're actually trying to do. Based on all of this. And there's, there's nothing wrong with with saying that, Brad. You know, I mean, having, the, having a correct... You, the people of Georgia are angry. And these numbers are going to be repeated on Monday night, along with others that we're going to have by that time, which are much more substantial even. And the people of Georgia are angry. The people of the country are angry. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, uh, that you've recalculated. Well, Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. <laughs> now, do you think it's possible that they uh, shredded ballots in uh, Fulton County? Because that's what the rumor is. And also that Dominion took out... Wow, he, he really he just... He's uh, been completely Dominion consumed by this. Really like, it has completely overtaken their, uh, his... Machinery. Mine. And you he's the president of the United that? States. We are currently in a huge crisis. Ryan Germany. No, Dominion is not. This is um, General Counsel for Georgia Secretary of State. County. We're having well, but but no, yeah, but this but is crazy. Vote, Dominion's they, not doing anything. You got to calm down. And Dominion's the suing them. Parts of the machines and for like libel. Parts. No. Are you sure, Ryan? I'm sure. <laughs> Come on, Ryan. Give it to me. You should want to have an accurate election. And you're a Republican. We believe that we do have an accurate election. No, I no, you don't. No, no, you don't. You don't have. You don't have. Not even close. You got. You're off by hundreds of thousands of votes. 
you know what they did and you're not reporting it. That's a you know, that's a criminal that's a criminal offense. And, and, you know, you can't let that happen. That's that's a big risk. All this really serves to, to do is just ratchet people up. Your lawyer, that's a big risk. But they are shredding ballots, in my opinion, based on what I've heard. And they are removing machinery. Uh, and they're moving it as fast as they can. Both of which are criminal fines. And you can't let it happen. And you are letting it happen. You know, I mean, I'm notifying you that you're letting it happen. So, look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. So, so We just got to find it. We just got to find Brent, the vote. We, we won the do? state I completely we won the working. It's not fair to take it away from us like this. And it's going to be very costly. So this just this just this berating just goes on for an hour. I mean, I've heard enough of it already, but like this just goes on for an hour, and he's just like, yeah, you know what? Come on, Brad. This this election's stolen. We know it's stolen. Come on, just you know what? We know what's going on here, uh, Brad. You don't really want to do this, do you? Do you, Brad, Brad, Brad. Seriously, like it is insane that that is actually happening. Um, he tweeted that he spoke in a Raffensperger saying the Secretary of State was unwilling or unable to answer questions such as ballots under table scam, ballot destruction, out-of-state, quote-unquote, voters, dead voters, and more. He has no clue. Uh, and, of course, literally, his integrity gets, like, completely questioned by the, the President of the United States. And he's just on a rampage insulting the Georgia election pro- pro- um, process and really probably... Very, very possibly hurting them with the uh, with the Senate races they have coming up, and all he can do is just be like, respectfully, President Trump, what you're saying is not true. Um, yeah. So the detail of the call drew demands from top Democrats for criminal investigations. Campaigning in Georgia, Vice President Elect Kamala D. Harris called Trump's conversation a bald faced, bold abuse of power by the President of the United States, uh, and it, yeah, he's just he's just going out there and saying it, saying it. It is absolutely incredible to see that. This is what he's wanting. It's really kind of, I mean, the very thin, paper-thin veneer of we're challenging this because we actually care about the election. It is just an absolute joke. And it really puts to bed the even, in like, the, just the, not that there was any in the first place, but it really puts to bed any kind of hope or chance at legitimacy these Republicans who are challenging these results have. But, of course, it was never about the legitimacy. It was just to get their names out there in the conservative base, especially people like Josh Hawley coming out first there and saying, oh, that's the senator. Um, he To endear himself to that Republican base, that is going to be absolutely huge. It's going to be absolutely huge. So, um, yeah, we're looking at that in a big way today. Uh, Republicans, they're mostly silent on this. Ted Cruz uh, when asked about the call while campaigning in Georgia on Sunday for the two GOP Senate contenders who face a runoff on Tuesday, completely dodged the question. Uh, Trump's pressure campaign on Raffensperger is the latest of his attempt to subvert the outcome of the November 3rd election. And again, this is the insane thing. It, like This this fight is happening. This is a bad president. Certainly going to set... Um, it's certainly going to set the tone for future races. I think there's there can be no doubt that, uh, no doubt about that. That there is such a deep distrust of our elections sewn into such a large portion of the voting population. This GOP base about probably about like only a quarter of the GOP base think that this election is legitimately uh, won, and it is a huge problem. It is a huge problem for the future. But this is a completely stupid and completely cursed. Um, coup attempt that is never going to happen 
and you like it, it's pretty foolish at this point to to even take it seriously. Um, so that is a it's a very important thing. Like he's tried in almost every effort from all these people that were demonized or not, and rightfully so. Uh, for being just ghouls who are going to do whatever the president wants, even they can't do this for him. So, like that really just shows you the level of uh, competence that they're operating on. Of course, um, he previously invited Michigan Republican state leaders to the White House, pressure, pressured Georgia Governor Brian Kemp to call, trying to replace the state's electors, and asked the Speaker of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives to help reverse his loss in the state. So, uh, yeah, his call, of course, comes to. Uh, t- comes to light as scores of these Republicans now coming out in force now 50 I believe in the House uh, as of latest count to come in and challenge the results of the election so that is going to ha- be happening concurrently and it is going to be an incredibly strange 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 situation so um, yeah so Trump said he plans to talk about the alleged fraud on Monday when he was scheduled to lead an election eve rally in Dalton Georgia Measures that could further muddle the efforts of Republicans to draw the voters out. That's what they want to do. That is what they want to do. So Trump says out, uh, really just hampering and really just screwing around with a lot of people's distrust in the, or, or trust in the in the system. And that's going to legitimately hurt him and the Republican Party. Not him anymore. He's not going to be in politics. So I guess it doesn't really truly matter to him. But it is going to hurt the Republican Party down the road when you look at the possibility of, oh, we should be uh, we should be trying to get voters excited and having them feel that their votes count because we actually may very well win this election and we uh because we may well very much win it on the first night won't need to worry about what's coming up like we won't need to worry about trying to overturn so we should get people out there we should actually maybe get people out there to vote because maybe it's a good idea and the system is fair um, so this is really not not doing this kind of talk from Trump is not uh, working too well for them. So uh, you have a big election coming up. And because of what you've done, the president, you know, the people of Georgia know this is a scam. Trump said because of what you've done, to the president, a lot of people aren't going to vote. A lot of Republicans are going to vote negative because they hate what you did to the president. OK, they hate it and they're going to vote. They like, and I, he's probably not too far off. He really isn't. Uh, and you would be respected, really respected, if this can be straightened out before the election. Wink, wink, wink. So there you have it. Uh, the insane efforts of President Donald Trump to overturn this election, literally going up to the Secretary of State of Georgia, but hey, let's just find some more bo- votes. And the <laughs> the Secretary of State has been like, "Sorry, dude, no can do." It's it's this is how this is the the big test uh, American democracy is is up for at the moment. I mean, I don't, I don't know whether to be just like kind of galled or just roll my eyes a little bit. I, I don't even know the or what reaction because at the same, it's so stupid and so hard to get like freaked out about this. On the same time, though, you can see like this is just an absolutely insane and just unprecedented, completely uh, conduct. So, yeah, we're gonna be talking a lot about this in the future, and of course throughout the next few days and as we of course we deal with the with the elections in georgia and of course the uh certifications going on i believe tomorrow or the or, or tuesday or wednesday um and yeah so coming up we will be talking about nancy pelosi i thought that i was dreaming when you 
said you love me. And more specifically here, we're going to be talking a little bit about the 117th Congress. Nancy Pelosi taking her seat for her, I believe, third, fourth term as Speaker of the House. Jesus Christ. Um, so, yeah, here it is. Here is the moment. The total number of votes cast is 427, of which the Honorable Nancy Pelosi of the state of California has received 216. Literally, she like the the way Nancy Pelosi like runs the Democratic Party. Like you should probably, you know, she had people out there looking around like who's clapping, who's putting their back into it, who who's clapping the most. Like that is how she runs the Democratic Party. Is it insane to see how many people who really just had no direct reason to coming out and say Nancy Pelosi may just be the best speaker to walk the base of the earth. She's the absolute best. We can't do without her. Like the the reaction here is just insane. Why is the idolization of this eighty year old woman? who knows how to do really nothing but raise a bunch of corporate money. Why is it so pervasive on even some of those left-wing members of, of the Democratic Party? It is really insane. <laughs> and there she is. They're, they're clapping her. They're serenading her. Oh. The Honorable so they're just proven, just, again, literally just proven to have almost cost them the majority in a year that she thought they would worst case scenario worst case scenario pick up 10 seats and now she's back as leader of the democratic party because that is the kind of control that she has on power at this point it is absolutely just the 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 at the basic level the fact that people who are just incompetent and failures in politics they still get to remain around that's not something that has always happened like that is a very new trump era phenomenon where people who just continuously like screw up in the public square are not swept off by whoever the kind of gatekeepers of the system may be i.e. I, the media um in, in a lot of cases like you hear a lot of people like when people like at least in in some other countries in, in political circles like when they screw up in such a clear and transparent way when they absolutely embarrass themselves they just get ushered off the stage and say, enough is enough but she's still there she's back there and even more disorientingly she's treated like she's like the Sun Tzu Machiavelli best leader and it's, it's just insane because like are you seeing what I'm seeing here like are you see not seeing complete and total failure on every level by Nancy Pelosi, and we'll get into Chuck Schumer in just a moment. But there was a again, there was obviously a little bit of movement to come in there and, and replace Nancy Pelosi. But it is really um, just insane this, the the state of the Democratic Party and just the fact that she's being like ushered in and clapped by all these people when she's just proven to be nothing but a complete and pathetic failure for the Democratic Party is really, really just insane. Like the what what I mean, there's really only. I mean, to be honest, it's really only the Democratic Party. I mean, they may have a little bit... Republicans may have a bit of a problem with this with, with Trump, but they keep bringing these people, these epic failures, back again and again and again and treat them as rising stars because they lost in a close and inspiring way. Like, that is... If you're just corporate enough, if you just hit those right buttons, if you're John Ossoff-type character, you will be welcome back... Or a Beto-type character, you'll be welcome back in the party even after all your most, like, drastic failures as a clarion voice. I mean, it's it's embarrassing. And it really just shows you how serious the Democrats are as a as a political party. So um yeah, so it really was not an easy task for her though to to get back into power. I mean it should have been impossible based on that performance. Um 
with her party in control of twenty just twenty two uh, two hundred twenty two of the four hundred thirty five seats, Pelosi can afford to lose only a handful of Democrats on any given vote and faces a Republican opposition empowered by a better than expected showing in the November election. And that's going to give people on the left a lot of leverage and something they should really not hesitate to use just to just show that the confrontation is out there. And to me, that was really some of the biggest logic in the in the force of the vote drama. It was that getting like a confrontation and a fight out there, alerting the Democratic base as to the problems of the system that are so prevalent and just so hard to ignore um, was very, very, like very, very beneficial. Like that to me is something that just can only be, uh, only be like positive for us. Just getting out there. And AOC, like a lot of people, the main reason why, people differ on on force the vote is i think just how much that strategy of getting it out getting medicare for all out there getting it in the public square how much of that how much of an impact that would have um and i think it would have a lot of impact that people don't even realize because it would create a legitimate scene whether the media liked it or not because aost would be out there and the media isn't that ideologically um coherent enough to just shut down any type or topic uh, a Medicare for all. If this stuff, look at how the Green New Deal got into people's conversations. All all AOC had to do was go on sixty minutes a few times and stand in front of Nancy. But she didn't even do that much. It was barely anything. But the Green New Deal became a resolution and became a living, breathing thing that people had to talk about in the Democratic Party with barely any kind of and momentum. If you had unified opposition to the Democratic leadership from the Progressive Caucus. Like that, and and really fighting for Medicare for all, you do like it. It is, I think, is very hard to say with a straight face that they would not get a lot done, and a lot of people in the Democratic base starting to ask some serious questions because people aren't that informed. Like, if they support Medicare for all, like that's that's a great thing that they do, um, but you need to get them informed on the Gulf, and that's really really where I agree with people like Brianna Joy Gray on this who have really illustrated this path super, super clearly. I mean, the people like Jimmy Dore who are leading this movement are just really just unacceptable, like, unacceptable. Like, supporting supporting Tulsi Gabbard during the primary, I can't even get over that. And just the way, like, he's like, oh, AOC, I made you. You will never be the same without me, AOC. Like, come on. Like, you, get, you do a lot better let people like Brianna Joy Gray speak for you. And... Just the people, again, this, this debate still, even with the speakership now over, is probably going to continue to rage on in a big way, um, as it should. But on both sides, I really just don't think people realize that we are just, we need all the help we can get. We don't need to cast people out. We need to bring people in. And we need to focus on a common goal. And so like, differences over strategy, it's just it's so infuriating to watch because, like you really get the sense that these people who are all fighting each other on the, they're on the same team. They're fighting the same thing and they're fighting against a common enemy. But um there is a real gulf and it's it's starting to become a a factor, I think. And it's it's not encouraging at all. So it's just I mean it's just meanwhile you have people talking about AOC like primary AOC when you got people like Richard Neal in there. It's it's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Just absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, so we will be getting right into it. Uh, 
in the future, the chronicling the Democratic Party. And we, we go from one side here in the House to the Senate, um, where Senator Bernie Sanders spent New Year's morning making one last attempt to halt the defense bill in order to force Republican leader Mitch McConnell to allow a vote on $2,000 checks. And Democratic leader Chuck Schumer spent the morning treating everyone like they're gullible idiots. Um, he wrote on Twitter, I just took the floor again to demand a $2,000, a vote on $2,000 stimulus check, Schumer said, and slammed the Republican lawmakers for object- objecting, promising Democrats will not stop fighting. Oh, that's so nice. Then, literally moments later, Schumer and most of the Senate Democrats have surrendered live on C-SPAN for everybody to see and obediently voted for McConnell's uh, motion to move forward uh, the defense bill for final passage. More Rep- uh, Democrats voted for this bill than Republicans, completely giving up, completely surrounding. Say, oh, you know what? Dick was right. Dick Durbin was right. We can't risk the possibility of maybe giving some people just a little bit more so they don't have to be as dependent on their jobs um, for just basic survival and give them any sort of just financial uh, stability during this crisis. Like, that that's just unacceptable. And we have to move forward with this all-important defense bill. Um, really, what happened is Schumer tweeted out his promise to fight for starving Americans while knowing that moments later he would be on live television completely surrendering um, to the Republicans. So Democrats didn't even muster enough votes on the procedural motion to keep it close enough to force Georgia incumbents Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue off the campaign trail to help McConnell, a scenario that would have provided a huge boost to Democratic candidates Sean Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, who have really been kind of forced to pretend like this kind of awkward charade that, oh yeah, uh, Democrats care about fighting for the stimulus checks. Like, guys, like we're still we're still doing that. Like, right, John? John? Uh, yeah, we're John checking in uh, over to Chuck. We're, we're still the, doing this whole uh, stimulus thing. Like, that's still something we want to do. Okay, just ch- just checking. Oh, you voted against it. Um, okay, uh, that's a little awkward. He's, and it's the the most infuriating part of it is like how easily people are just gonna buy it, and you'll be called just a complete like whiny hiney. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds even weird to say it, but like that like that's the attitude. It's just like oh, you dare criticize the Democratic Party. Like, don't you know how good you have it? You should be thankful. You should be thankful for all the work that they're doing. Chuck Schumer is a great progressive leader. Oh, um, yeah. So. The Daily Poster published a report uh, a few days ago on Democrats beginning to vote for McConnell's procedural motions. Democratic partisans on social media swarmed in to berate us for having the nerve to report on the situation. They want silence and fealty. Um, but accountability, the accountability journalism we do at the Daily Posters, by the way, support the Daily Poster. They help keep this show going. They help give a big boost to progressive media. Um it is designed to report facts, and the entire battle over the $2,000 checks illustrated nearly every dysfunctional, corrupt, and craven aspect of American policy. And that is dead on. That is dead on. Every box, every, like, this situation was the perfect illustrator of everything wrong, every mechanical lever that was involved, um, like, everything wrong with the, um, American politics on both sides of the aisle was displayed uh, in this exchange. So we have Republican lawmakers explicitly exposing themselves as greedy nihilists who are willing to starve their own constituents literally while enriching their big donors, while all while eating beautiful steak. Uh, they are the foremost villains in all of this, as we have reported. Um, that said, the rank-and-file Senate Democrats abetted the GOP. They showed a different kind of contempt for their own voters. 
they were happy to pretend to fight, while always planning to avoid a real battle that might corner McConnell, and it's really kind of a game of hot potato with populism. It's just like, we can be for this up to a point where it actually has to matter. Oh no, we gotta drop support just like that. Um, they were better than GOP, and at least they were willing to demand McConnell allow a vote, and most of them probably would have voted for the $2,000 checks if they had a chance, but they were never willing to wield their power to try and force a vote. Schumer, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and President-elect Joe Biden played particularly pernicious roles at helping McConnell slash the original stimulus bill in half, and Schumer's behavior today, pretending to fight hard while voting with McConnell, was the icing on the cake, and now something that just will not be challenged in any way by any Democratic Party uh, force and any kind of like Democratic associated media force in whatsoever. Um, liberal pundits and billionaire-owned media organizations out of themselves as absurdly detached elitists making a fake argument the $2,000 stimulus checks might go uh, to some people who don't really need help and the baffling claim that Americans will probably just save the checks because they can't go to restaurants which are again fully open in most states or like literally most Americans regularly order from restaurants to, if they, especially if they can if they have the means to uh, especially they can um uh, with takeouts and stuff like that. Um, the only players that really came off well in any of this are a handful of Democratic senators who had the votes to get, uh, had the guts to vote against all of McConnell's key procedural motions, such as Sanders, Markey, Merkley, Warren, Wyden, Van Hollen, and other rank and file House Democrats who were willing to use their power to pass $2,000 stimulus checks. And yes, Pelosi deserves some credit, credit for quickly delivering these $2,000 checks to the Senate. So look at that. I'm giving Pelosi credit here. Uh, in this whole episode, we will see that there is still only a handful of Democratic senators willing to fight the Republicans in any way, even during an economic emergency. And that's an important reminder of how much work needs to be done to get the, um, <laughs> get the Democratic Party to be something more than the Washington generals to the Republicans' globetrotters. That really is a completely perfect, like, it is, it's such a great analogy and just like the two capabilities of the two sides there, like, it's completely aptly described, but... It's also true that at the end of the day, they just go, they go ahead and they just laugh. Just like, we're all playing our parts in the big role here, which is to preserve the system, to preserve things exactly how they are. And anybody from both sides that tries to upset that, tries to rock the boat, tries to get in the way of us playing our roles and doing what we're supposed to do, like that is really what must be stopped. And that is why this pitch perfect uh, stimulus check fight uh, is so illustrative of just the um, just horrific nature of Washington and something that we're really going to continue to see in the near future. This is Newsflash on the Spencer Walsh Radio Network. Join us for the Georgia election special Tuesday night. We're wrapping up today's show by a great kind of team piece from Discourse Blog suggesting things that should be left behind in 2020. Uh, and as we go into 2021, leave these things behind in 2020. Um, and we start with people with vacation homes. 
And yeah, this is this is something that like has been a big problem, especially now. I've seen seen a lot over the holiday season. That's been a big thing, and over the summer as well. Uh, people going and really just being completely ridiculous uh, when there is a massive like eviction, a lot of uh, insecurity over eviction, and a lot of or, over just home people losing their homes, people not being able to pay their rent, and homelessness really being on the rise and economic conditions being on the rise. So. Yeah, just people who are just flaunting their... And you see it, a, a really just toxic place for this is TikTok. Um, 12 million... Right now, as like literally 12 million Americans will owe an average of more than $5,000 in unpaid rent and utilities by January. I mean, it's really just the, the systemic inequalities that allow for some people to own multiple homes, again, written here by Alexander Chan, uh, really correctly so... Um, while so many have no roof over their heads, it's it just completely wrong. Um, like, it's a completely just wrong system that, like, this, the government here, and, and something that you can so easily do as well is help these people out. It's something that other, every other country has been able to do, every other developed country has been able to do very, very successfully. Like, if you can't help these people out here, like, what is the point? And if it means taking away from people who are lucky enough to have uh, two homes to go to during a pandemic, then that is a good thing. That is something that should be happening. Like that is, uh, and it's something that just right now our government refuses to do. Um, and by the way, stay off social media, everybody who who may be. And again, I count myself very lucky among those people, and I <laughs> certainly am not a social media poster about it. That is for sure. Yeah, no tweets about that. Spare other people and maybe actually try and make a difference in your community. That's my that's a, that's a goal that I'm setting uh, for 2021. Do do a little bit more than I can for other people. Um, meanwhile, the Trump cabinet. This is another one here from Paul Blessed. For four years, the leadership of the federal government has been the largest collection of repulsive hogs hungry for money and power this side of Davos. From William Barr ordering federal troops in the cities to crush racial justice protests, to Scott Pruitt and his cartoonishly bad grifting when he wasn't handing over the keys to the EPA, to Mike Pompeo fighting his Christian holy war from his top perch at the State Department, John Kelly, Christian Nielsen, like the two immigration border ghouls, Steve Mnuchin, the cartoon Monopoly man, Alex Azar of HHS, Wilbur Ross, Betsy DeBoss, Jeff Sessions, the list goes on and on. What a cast of characters those people were. Um, Yeah, really, it'd be great to see them all gone from the political sphere in 2021. Interesting one here from Rafi Schwartz, self-canceled journalists. It must be a tough time being a murky journalist these days. Why else would so many big-name writers be jumping ship off into the newsletter bandwagon when the digital media landscape is already such a salted-earth wasteland to begin with? Golly gee whiz, I bet it's great to know that you can get by on a meager 400 k after voluntarily leaving your half a million dollars a year salary because someone had the audacity to, <laughs> to suggest that you may need some edits on your latest blog. Huh, Glenn? Great shot there at, at Glenn Greenwald. Um who has taken taken some shots that personally I disagreed with on the intercept. I don't know if I, we ever talked about that in the show, but oh yeah, there there is definitely a something to be said for just cancellation uh, and see I think it's really a case by case scenario. Uh but some people like <laughs> Barry Weiss, ugh, really really something. Um if this is cancel culture, if these people are spending less and less time in the public sphere, people like Barry Weiss, people like Andrew Sullivan, 
And yeah, I mean, even people like Glenn Greenwald, I mean, The Intercept is doing a great job and his, I really do, I think he's a great journalist. Um, but if he like can't coexist, if he, if The Intercept isn't open enough for him, I mean, I'm sorry. He's trying, he's trying to paint them as, as Joe Biden lovers. Like, I, I, I don't buy that. Um, from the Texan discourse blog, Sam Grosso submitting, um, my brain, like many people's brains, has been scrambled by the trauma of 2020. So here's a loosely chronological list of some of the ways that Texas's well-to-do elected officials has launched us into uh, near victory as the state with the second highest number of COVID cases and deaths. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick offered up the lives of Texas grandparents in exchange for a prosperous economy. Then Governor Greg Abbott opened the state far too early and without giving Texas the resources uh, to stem the virus from spreading. And he and other, uh, a bunch of other Texas shitheads like Representatives Chip Roy and Dan Crenshaw rallied to release a North Texas hairdresser from jail uh, for operating during the shutdown, uh, only to leave thousands of other people vulnerable to COVID in jails and other things like that. Um, Early on, an Abbott banned cities from enforcing their own mask ordinances and risked, uh, sorry, and resisted imposing a statewide mask requirement as cases spiked, finally only acting after it was too late. Uh, shout out to other people like Christy Nome on that up, to, up there in South Dakota. Abbott has insisted that Texas won't be going into a second lockdown as Senator Ten- Ted Cruz owns the libs, or most, more so all the people dying in El Paso, by pledging, pledging his allegiance to Thanksgiving and Christmas over the lives of other Texans. So yeah, Texas politicians continuing to have a banner year and hopefully uh, a lot of a lot of, a lot of less of them uh, at least directly affecting people's livelihoods and lives in 2021. So yeah, he he has the great um he has the great come and take it with a turkey and a star like it's a battle flag about Thanksgiving just Jesus Christ. Um Here's another great one. The Lincoln Project from Catherine Kruger talking about this. I would love nothing to s- more than to say we're leaving these Republicans and Democrats clothing in 2020, but I don't like to be naive. The Lincoln Project was the perfect political project to thrive in the political and general misery of the past year. Logging nearly $60 million in fundraising since launching by bilking mostly Democratic voting small dollar donors while also catering to the billionaire set. What could bring Republicans, billionaires, and Democrats with enough money to donate to a super PAC together? Desperation for a more polite, offline president who respects norms and the rule of law. Their singular stated aim was defeating Trump, who, when you look at his record, championed a lot of policies that conservative Republicans strongly support for the purpose of being let in, the, let in from the cold in favor of the next administration. Boy, has it worked, and a lot of people were made rich in the process. Here's another good one. George W. Bush, um, a, the years-long trend of adoration for this brain-dead war criminal reached a nauseating peak in 2020 as his supposed decency was contrasted multiple times throughout the year with Trump's wickedness. This should not continue. Trump, um, the, 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 the truth is here, there is absolutely nothing decent about war criminal, torturer, mass murderer George W. Bush as rehabilitation mostly shows that Americans are willing to forgive you as long as you mostly shut up and keep most of your torture and slaughter regime confined to the foreign shores. With Trump out of the way, surely it is time for this Bush myth to finally die. Those are some of the, some of the things that we got to quit coming in to 2020. Close of the show. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back Tuesday for the Georgia runoffs.